Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. A cup of coffee with my mom. Hi, mom. Hi there. How you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? Are you great? I'm greater than you are. How great thou art. Well, I don't have a stiff neck, but you do. I'm doing my exercises. I'm praying for a Christmas miracle. A little more mobility every day now. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I'll tell you, physical therapy is almost a miracle. It's helped Dad. His isn't perfect, but every day it seems a little bit better. And, well, I hope you're better soon. Anyway, look. I promised Chuck we wouldn't spend a lot of time talking about infirmaries, <laughs> aches, pains, depilatories, various disappointments, and so forth. He was very disappointed. I don't know if he told you, but our Thanksgiving episode wasn't very Thanksgiving-y. So oh. he, he asked if I could somehow control, shape, and otherwise guide the conversation into something Christmassy, hence the outfit. You knocked that out of the park for sure. Yeah, that's really very noticeable. And I like your hat, Chuck. Did you get a haircut, Chuck, or is it under the hat? Sure looks like it, doesn't it? Sure does. That's a no. Here's Chuck mm-hmm. two years ago, Mom. Oh, look at right? that. Short hair. Yeah. Proper hair. Short hair and maybe 20 pounds lighter. Maybe. Oh, what happened? I mean, you put some weight on My hair grew and I ate a lot more. You grew 20 pounds of hair. <laughs> oh, Chuck, you know, this weight thing, it's constant. I mean, it's an everyday thing. I'm, you know, I'm doing another book and I'm, I'm doing a section now called Mealtime. And it's about the food here at the home. In general, mealtime through the years and how <laughs> I've reacted to it and weight and so forth. And I'm telling you, it is really um, something you have to be conscious of every day. Yeah. It's probably the single biggest thing plaguing more Americans right now than anything. Every other advertisement is for some weight loss thing. What is it? Ozempic now? Oh, yes. Everybody, I mean, it's crazy. Everybody is on it. And I don't even think it's really a weight loss drug. No, it's for diabetes, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. But crazy. And uh, the side effect is you don't want to eat as much. Allegedly. I don't think that would be true for me. You'd have to no, take a lot of it. I'm not doing this full of Ozempic. <laughs> There's our title. It's an Ozempic Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. No, I think it's O, O, O. O, 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 O. That's O'Reilly's. O, 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 Ozempic. I think, isn't that their thing? I don't know. I think so. O, 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 Ozempic. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I think there are three O's. Did I tell you about the food? show that I pitched to the Food Network, but the concept for the show is called Eat Me, okay? That's the title. And the idea is I go around the country (laughs) and I find the descendants of people who had recipes in like the old Betty Crocker cookbooks, you know, the cookbooks from the 50s, right, with those awful like meatloaf casseroles and Mm. all those gelatinous nightmares things you know and then anyway find the descendants of the people whose recipes these were and then cook the meal together and then sit down with their family and maybe the crew and just have a nice conversation and eat these horrible dishes would you watch such a show probably not um i mean 
Really? Who cares? You know, mm. if I were a little more <laughs> domestic-related right now, I might. But, you know, those days are gone. I have a kitchen. I told somebody I didn't have a stove, and Dad said, yes, we do. It's that square thing in the corner with the <laughs> clock on the top. And then I do remember cooking a pizza one day uh, about a month ago. <laughs> so we do have a stove. But as far as cooking is concerned, that's way in the past. I don't even think about cooking anymore now that we live here. Well, I don't remember enough, but from what I'm told, you didn't know anything. Like when I was born, had you ever even cooked a meal when you married Dad? Never. In fact, your grandmother wasn't crazy about Dad, and <laughs> she tried to talk him out of marrying me, and she told him, I don't know my way around the kitchen, I've never cleaned the house. She said she can't even fix you an egg for breakfast, and I'm not sure about toast. <laughs> and sadly, it's true. My mother was a little bit on the controlling side, and the mm -hmm. kitchen was her domain. And she was very happy to have my sister and me stay out of the kitchen. And that pleased me to no end because I was horsey. I had a barn with horses, and that was my life. And so it worked well. You know, it made her happy to have me out of the kitchen, and it certainly made me happy. So when I got married, ooh, it was an eye-opener. And we survived, but we didn't eat a very healthy lifestyle menu. What were your go-to meals? You mean when we were first married? Yes. What could you reliably prepare? I caught on to hamburgers pretty quickly and hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. So we had those a lot. I don't know. Maybe we had ham and cheese sandwiches a lot, I guess. But like I say, we did survive. Um, no one's doubting you. I mean, here you are. But I've just, what were the conversations like between you and Dad when you would serve him a ham and cheese sandwich for dinner after a long day at work or just, I don't know, hot dogs for breakfast or, or whatever? Was he tolerant, understanding, or encouraging you to maybe venture out to, to you know? Well, you know, Mike, when you're young... There are a lot of ways to satisfy your partner, and food is just one of those ways. So we got along fine. Um, it's a big one. Yeah, I finally figured it out in the kitchen. And by the time Mike was born, we were eating a pretty healthy diet. It was a lot of casseroles. It was an adventure, and Dad was in it with me from the beginning, and I remember the time I made oatmeal cookies for the first time. I chipped a tooth. <laughs> On an oatmeal cookie? Uh-huh. And so I threw them out the window onto the roof. The birds wouldn't even eat them. <laughs> Your father said, oh, throw them out the window. The birds will eat them because we sure can't. <laughs> and they were still there like three days later, and the birds are flying all around the place. <laughs> but I did finally catch on. And this Christmas, what's on the menu? What are you guys going to do? Oh, well, actually, we're invited to a friend's off-campus for our Christmas dinner. We go there every year. Mm -hmm. For here, they'll have a traditional dinner. I think the meals are great here, and most people agree with me. There are some people who, who like to complain, complain about everything. What is that? What is with people? I know who you're talking about. We certainly won't mention any names, but why? Well, why? it's not just one person. I mean, there are several people. I... Dad and I ate in a, the cafe one night, and a couple joined us. I hope they're not listening. But <laughs> Mike and Chuck, she complained about everything. And she affected me like a narcotic. I wanted to go to sleep like one minute into her conversation. She complained about the paint on the wall. It was drab. Well, it's a neutral shade. She complained about the pattern on the carpet in the common areas too busy? It was enough to give you vertigo, she said, just looking at the pattern. <laughs> it was terrible. And then she complained about the furniture in the common area, in the lounges. Um, she said, it's all lacquered up. It's out of date. It's too heavy. It's <laughs> ugly. Honestly. And then she started in on the food. Oh, and she only ate half of her dinner. She just chew it a little bit and take it out and put it uh. on the plate. And eh. I said, 
to Dad, if we have to eat with them again, I want to be sedated first. (laughs) (laughs) It was not pleasant, but, I mean, that's pretty rare to find people like that. Is it? See, I don't know. Are you familiar with the Microworks Sweat Pledge? Have you ever actually perused that thing? I have read it, word for word, some years ago when it first came out. Are you familiar with Pledge 8? Remind me. Tell her, Chuck. I hate the sound of whining, and I refuse to make it. Whining and complaining. These are sounds I will never make. Yep. I put that in there because you have always complained about complaining. You've always (laughs) whined about whiners. It's one of the earliest lessons that I got from you. It's just... Well, it's not really a complaint. (laughs) It's an observation. (laughs) Yes. So too could that woman's comment about the floor and the paint, and that's an observation too, isn't it? The paint is drab and the carpet gives me vertigo. I mean, Mm. if that's true, it's super interesting, but of course it's not true. (laughs) But she's one of many, 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 many people who somehow have been trained to enjoy it. I mean, no one would complain if it didn't bring them pleasure. It's a kind of gossip, right? Mm, That's true. I think it brings them attention also. I remember as a boy, you never said, don't complain or why are you complaining? You would ask questions like, Michael, do you think that's attractive? I don't find that attractive. And I doubt that anyone would find that attractive. What, walking around (laughs) with a noodle in each nostril? Mike, do you really find that attractive? Oh. (laughs) No, no, no. The sound of complaining. Oh, yeah. I don't recall you doing a lot of complaining, actually. None well, of I, our I, children did. They were just, you all were appreciative. <laughs> That's how I remember it. My God, really? That's the way you heard it. That's the way I choose to remember it. Actually, Dad was very, very strict with that. He wouldn't tolerate it. I mean, if we griped about something, you're cooking. For instance, you know, Phil was not always really enamored of everything that wound up on the plate. He was very picky. He was a very picky eater. Yeah, Dad hated that. Oh, speaking of your father, he's fine. You know, two weeks ago, he went to the hospital with vertigo. Oh, we weren't going to talk about health issues, but... Sorry, Chuck, this is not a Christmas story, but I am interested to know, because that was scary. He said the table was spinning, so he grabbed it, but of course the table wasn't spinning. Oh, he was in the kitchen, And I was in the bedroom. I think I was making the bed. And he said, Peg, come here. And then I heard a crash. And he had fallen against the table. He didn't hit the floor, but he hit the table and it moved. And he was just standing there like a statue when I got there. And I put my arms around his trunk. And we just stood that way a little bit until things cleared up. But, yeah, it happened first when he was in the swimming pool. And he was doing laps. He said, all of a sudden, things started going around. So, of course, you know your father. He doesn't like to stop in the middle of anything. So he finished his laps. And then he got out of the pool, took a shower, and then got nauseous, threw up. And uh, I am so grateful to live where we live because a friend said, oh, we need to pull the cord right now. His name was Mike and went over to the side and pulled the white emergency Mm, cord and that fast security was there and an EMT and they had dad in a wheelchair and we're they took his vitals and then pushed him right to the medical center Mm -hmm. by then he was feeling better and he didn't didn't want to go to the hospital so they told us what to do we went home and he was fine until the next morning called security again and they facilitated getting to the emergency board in the hospital but he's okay so he's fine and you know what i think it was the carpet in that front lobby yes yeah. the problem <laughs> it's the carpet everybody's there spinning around like a wildebeest with the turning sickness boy that's a terrible thing are you familiar with that mom oh i remember seeing it seeing a oh. story about it well i narrated uh, something for national geographic like 30 years ago and I'll never forget. It was that's probably where I saw it. So horrible, Chuck. It's like a, these termites mm-hmm. crawl up the nostrils of the wildebeest and burrow into their brain, like just chew their way into their head. You can tell when they get it because they just turn in circles 
until they drop dead. Right. Awful way to oh. go. The well, Merry Christmas, you. everybody. Merry oh, Christmas. Oh, 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 oh. oh. I wouldn't want to be a wildebeest. It's never a good day to be a wildebeest. No. I'm telling you. If the lions aren't getting you, the tigers are. And if they're not the getting crocodiles, you. The crocodiles. The little the hyenas. Up your nose. Up the bugs up <laughs> your nose. In your brain. Friends, if you're a wildebeest or if you know one, don't leave the herd. That's the best advice I can give you. Oh, poor old wildebeest. We're very blessed not to be wildebeests. Amen, sister. <laughs> yes, amen. So that's it for Vertigo. Oh, and I brought a show and tell. I don't have a red stocking for my head, but years ago, when I was not published yet, many years ago, I got very discouraged, thinking that I would never, ever be published. I was going to give up writing, and I went off in different directions. And one of the things that I did was I took up knitting and crocheting <laughs> and quilting. I remember. And for two years, I didn't write. I was so, <laughs> like, so depressed about not being able to be published. And so I took knitting classes. And this is one of the things I made. Nice. I made stockings for the children. Do, 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 I think it was Dale Carnegie who said all problems are communication problems. And nowhere is that more true than home building. Whether you're a builder of new homes or the buyer of a home that's being built for you, you know how many decisions need to be made on a daily basis, and you know how tough it is to keep everybody on the same page. What you might not know is that Diggs can help in a big way. Diggs is a software program developed to eliminate the miscommunication and the resulting frustration that comes with building a new home. How? By making it ridiculously easy for builders and homeowners to share information and make decisions together, simplifying every step of the home building process. With Diggs, you'll experience more efficient planning and way more efficient design. Your teams and your clients will be constantly informed during the entire build process. And the best part? Diggs ensures your clients not only get their dream homes, but also an extraordinary building experience. Try Diggs Starter Plan for free today. If you like what you see, and you will, you can save 50% off core and professional plans when you go to digs.com slash micro. Diggs is just a better way to build and own a home, and you can try it for free and lock in your 50% discount at digs.com slash micro. Can you dig it? You remember a quilt you made for me? Yes, I do. I remember it Chuck, very this thing, well. There's clearly a story there, the way she said that. Well, I mean, it was something else. I called it the X-ray blanket because it was about as heavy as one. It was made out of all my old jeans. She took old oh, wow. jeans and she cut them into all these squares and they all got quilted together. And so it was basically blue, but almost every shade of blue that you've ever seen in a blue jean. But I'm telling you, this thing must have weighed 30 pounds. It was, I mean, if you picked it up, you'd swear it was wet. You know, it was just, just <laughs> heavy. But I loved it because I used to live in the basement like a troll, like an animal mm. in my parents' I remember house. That. And it was always cold and damp and dark, cave-like. <gasps> Wait a minute. We had a dehumidifier down there. There might have been a little bit of mold under this stairway. There was mold everywhere. We got rid of that. And the dehumidifier was always full, you know, because there was so much moisture in the air. If you didn't empty it every 20 minutes, you know, it overflowed. You exaggerate, Mike. A little bit, but... Twice a day we emptied it. I mean, that's a lot. You're talking gallons of water being pulled out of the air, which, by the way... People are confused about that a lot. They think that's like bottled water, but it's distilled water. You might want to fact check me on this, Chuck, but I'm pretty mm. sure you can't survive by drinking water through a dehumidifier. It doesn't do for your body what water is supposed to do because it is distilled. I wish I were smarter. I don't know exactly what the scientific uh, difference is between you know, tap water, or water that's stilled versus not distilled. Uh, according to... Um, Mr. Google? 
Yes. The spruceair.com says uh, dehumidifiers remove humidity from the air, but the water they collect is contaminated with bacteria, metals, and other impurities. And you cannot drink dehumidifier water. Is dehumidifier water the same as distilled water? No. Because I drank the dehumidified water. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would pour it in the pitcher for him and he drank it during the night. That could explain a lot. <laughs> I did not, Michael. You didn't. I didn't say you served it to me. I would get up in the middle of the night, and there was no bathroom down there, right? <laughs> Living like a troll in a cave, in the dark, humidity. I'd get up, and there, and there were nights where I was I was thirsty, and I would go over there to the dehumidifier and just pull the plastic tray out and just take a couple of a swallows, you know. And I never thought about it, but it, I was drinking poison the whole time, apparently. Poor Michael. You were a regular Harry Potter, weren't you? Sounds like you're kind of complaining, Mike. It sort of sounds like it to me. <laughs> no, no. I was observing. <laughs> I was just remembering. I was trying to come up with a good Christmas memory for you, and I thought about that unforgettable Christmas Eve when oh. I drank a few palmfuls of dehumidified, contaminated water. Michael, that bedroom had a window to the outside. Oh, yeah. It sure did. Remember? Yeah. I snuck out of it many times. Could you get out that window? I don't think so. Because it was down in a window well. If you had slithered through there, you would have had to climb up. <laughs> it wasn't hard. I was very flexible in those days. I got a girl in there one time. Remember? Dad tells that story. Oh, don't tell it, Michael. There is nothing Christmassy about that. Let me finish the story about your quilt. There was some real Christmassy elements to that story. You mean that she gave you a wonderful gift? A wonderful, a gift that kept on giving. Chuck, you know this person, by the way. Do I? Oh, okay. please don't say any names. Mm. Yeah, mm. you know her. She was a, a very good friend of an old girlfriend of yours. Oh, T. Hello. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. That really? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Did I tell you that that quilt had a blanket in between the two layers? That would explain it. It had the layer of denim, and then it had a really pretty layer of fabric in the back, which was a sheet, and then in the middle there was a blanket. Mm -hmm. That was what made it so heavy. But it kept you warm. Was it a wool blanket? I don't remember. No, it was washable. And you appreciated it so much that you took it with you when you moved into your own house, mm -hmm. and then you kept on appreciating it so much that you left it in the basement of your old house when you sold it. <laughs> never to well, be seen again. Well, I never told you this, but the buyer of that house wasn't all that enamored of the home itself, but they were crazy for the quilt. So I basically sold them the quilt and threw the house in. Really? That makes me feel a lot better. It That's was a great me. quilt. It really was great. I've seen other denim quilts you know, but never the three layers. You made this thing like a club sandwich. Speaking of club sandwiches, do you guys want to talk about Christmas at all? Oh, all right. sure. I thought I did. I showed you my stocking. <laughs> did you ever give these away as gifts? No. I hung them by the fireplace and put stuff in them for the kids. I mean, Santa mm -hmm. did. Santa did. <laughs> I love the stockings. I always used to save the stockings for last. Mm. I know. Yeah. yeah. What's your first uh, Christmas memory, Mike? My first Christmas? Mm. The one I remember most was the one where we went back into the woods to get the Christmas tree mm. that looked like not really a Christmas tree. It just was a tree we cut down. It was enormous, and we jammed it into the, uh, into the corner of the living room. It was so big, the top bent over. But going back into the woods with the tractor and the cart and the saws and the axes and cutting this tree down and dragging it back and setting it up and then decorating it, you know, and then we it had It was the, the anticipation of yeah. Christmas. That's what it was all about. And then you came home and we had hot chocolate and I had written a play and I still have that here somewhere on little, little cassette. It was on a reel-to-reel -reel player that Dad brought home from the AV department at school. And you all acted out the play. Yeah. I'll have to look that up, see if I still have that. And, you know, it's funny the way your mind works, but, like, I can still smell that tree. 
I still remember recording that play. But I also remember the Christmas carols that were playing. We had a TV, uh, not a TV, a radio that was sort of built into the wall. It was an and, intercom, basically. Yeah, but wasn't it also a radio? I feel like you could go over to that thing. I don't remember it being a radio, just an intercom. But, you know, I mean, it could pick up a radio sound from another room and broadcast it That's to the what rooms. it was. Right, so there's like a transistor radio in the kitchen and it's playing Christmas carols and the intercom is open. So the sound is coming oh, okay. in through the intercom. No dinner reservations. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. We're beating in. Yeah. Okay. Dad's got questions. Stand by. Everything's okay. Right. Well, he's off to play pool. He's going to shoot oh, okay. some pool with friends. Nothing says Christmas like going to the pool hall and uh, <laughs> picking up a few bucks from some sucker. Ho, ho, ho! This place is decorated beautifully, so to go down to the lobby, the trees are exquisite. You wouldn't believe it. It looks like a, it was professionally, they were all professionally done. The trees all over the place. Are they on the vertigo Blinking carpet? Blinking reindeer outside. It, it's really nice. What'd you say? What kind of reindeer? Blinking. They have lights all over them, and they, they're oh. blinking off and on. I thought you said freaking. A freaking reindeer. <laughs> freaking yeah. reindeer. Freaking blinking so reindeer. Festives. They're freaking blinking <laughs> reindeer all over the place. They've all got vertigo from that carpet. From the carpets making all of them. They got, you know what they got, Chuck? The reindeer, they got the turning sickness. It's a mm. shame what's happened at the home. All the reindeer are blinking and turning in circles on account of a carpet that seems to be instilling vertigo in all creatures great and small. Peg, what's your oldest Christmas memory, your first Christmas memory, when you think about being a kid? Well, my father was in charge of getting the tree and setting it up in the living room. And my mother, who was, as I've said, a little bit on the um, domineering side, she, like, made all the rules, and she, mm -hmm. yeah. Why bother being circumspect now? You've written a book about <laughs> where you spell out this neuroses in a dozen or two chapters. I mean, yes, a little controlling. Fair enough. A little bit. So dad would put up the tree and anchor it to the wall, and it was beautiful, and, he had, and we had a Christmas garden. But my mother was in charge of decorating it. And I'm telling you, she had a place for it each one of those balls, and we finished it off with icicles. And God yeah. forbid anybody should put on two at a time. They were placed one at a time carefully over the branch and another one. I mean, there could be like 5,000 icicles in this package and one at a time. And she could tell if there were two. And I mean... Heaven help you if you took a handful and threw them on. <sighs> These are some... like the very thin strips of silver. Oh, yeah. Like whatever. That's what you're talking about. They the were icicles. I called yeah. icicles, yeah. Yeah. I love those. Yeah. yeah. I feel like they've fallen out of favor. Out of favor, yes. Yeah, I haven't seen one on a Christmas tree in years. I'll tell you what they have here on the one down in this lobby is they have, I guess, cotton, raw cotton stuffed I mean, it's decorated beautifully, and then they've stuck like raw cotton here and there and every. It's beautiful. It looks like snow. Do you remember, Mom? This would have been like 1984. I came home, and I said, I have seen a movie, and you're going to love it, and we have to find it somehow. And it was a Christmas story, and we used to watch it. It was years before I ever talked to anybody who had seen that movie, and now I don't know anybody who hasn't seen it. God knows how many times. <laughs> it's a classic for sure. We enjoy it. It's not just the lines and the characters. I think people of a certain age can really identify with it because some, well, maybe not the furnace in the basement and the smoke coming through the house, but going to see Santa Claus and getting the tree and the, oh, you know, yeah. you can identify with the action. I guarantee you 99% of the people listening to this, assuming anyone is, are nodding their heads and thinking about that movie. And what's so weird, Mom, is that I guess you know you're getting old when a thing 
that you felt like you discovered that no one else had seen has now become a classic. It's funny how that happens. Yeah, it is. Did you guys have a lot of Christmas traditions? I mean, apart from putting up a tree, giving gifts. You know, we've always been... Church. Church. I was going to say church is the tradition that stands out in my mind. And to this day, this Christmas Eve, John will be the liturgist at the Christmas Eve service, and he will read the scripture. Um, Church has just been such a big part of our lives. The kids always went to Sunday school, and they were confirmed, and they went to youth group, and they... So, yeah, church is a big part of it. But then when they were all Boy Scouts, they started the tradition of the Scouts doing the ushering, all of the ushering, and reading the scriptures on Christmas Eve. And that was really popular because we had a big scout troop in the church. So our children would go to church with their scout uniform on Christmas Eve. They would take up the offering. They would show people to their seats or read the scripture. It was just a big part, a big part of our Christmas. Light the candles. Exactly. And then we would come home and and John would read the Christmas story from the Bible. So, yeah, that's all tradition. And then the boys would go to sleep in their scout uniforms and get up in the morning. And I, I have pictures of them opening their gifts in their scout uniforms. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. yeah. That happened a lot? Oh, I don't know how many years that happened. But, yeah, yeah. for some years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably a couple. And then of I heard a Christmas was... story yesterday. Oh, yeah? No, you go ahead with yours because yours is more Christmassy probably than mine. But the thing you glossed over that I thought you were really going to glom onto was the music. Mm-hmm. I think music is such, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, Mom, but there was always music playing in the house. And as soon as we got anywhere near December, and it wasn't Christmas carols necessarily. It wasn't about all that. My mom would play Faré's Requiem and, and the big, meaty classical pieces and the uh like the west not on the piano on the record no (laughs) no (laughs) chuck guess how many of our sponsors have saved over 1500 lives i'm gonna go with one you're correct that sponsor is life fact i'm so delighted that they are a sponsor and i'm Grateful that Arthur Lee came on our show a year ago. This is the guy who invented the device that is really transforming the entire safety industry. If I had a crystal ball, I'd bet money that the LifeVac is going to be as ubiquitous years down the road as, as a fire extinguisher or a smoke alarm. Or the paddles, you know, that they have. Yeah, on the planes. And in Costco, he just put a LifeVac in every Costco in America. Well, that's awesome. He's also trying to get a life back at his expense in every school in the country. It's like 100,000 schools. Yeah. And he started doing it. It's going to be a Sisyphean task, but the guy is determined, Chuck. Yeah, he's uh, going to spend $6 million of his own money to do this. And let me just say that if you know that your school does not have a life back, contact Arthur Lee and he will provide you one at his cost. It's just math and it's awful. Over 100 kids have died in schools since LifeVac was created. One kid dies every five days from choking, 5,000 choking deaths every year, fourth leading cause of accidental death. And this guy has really single-handedly saved over 1,500 lives, a 1,000 of which have been kids. That's right. Look, you got kids, you got grandkids, they visit. Just get one of these in your house. You'll feel better. LifeVac.net. L-I-F-E-V-A-C dot net. It's more than a gift. It's our only sponsor to save over 1,500 lives. That's got to count for something. LifeFact.net. It's no joke when you choke. So get LifeFact and live. Without breath, there'll be death. So get LifeFact and live. Get LifeFact and live. Get LifeFact and live. LifeFact and live. So we had dinner last night with... Um, There are six of us on Fridays, and one of the girls told the story of her daughter, who is your age, and her son-in-law went downtown into Baltimore City to a really nice restaurant club, and I'm not sure exactly where it was, but it's in a decent area. 
and they had this really wonderful Christmas party through her office. And when they left, they decided to spend the night downtown because they lived down in Rockville, and they had a hotel, so they had called an Uber, so they stepped out of the building to wait for the Uber. While they're waiting for it, six young men... This is a Christmas story because they were having a Christmas party. That's the only Uh thing that makes it a Christmas story. These Uh, six men... like Die Hard. ...wearing hoodies, walked up to Uh them, and her husband said... They were walking right toward him. I mean, like they were practically on him. He said, step back. And they beat him up. I mean, they hit him, Uh knocked him to the ground, Uh cut his head... And then they left. She ran across the street and called the police right away, took her cell phone out. They didn't rob them, you know, didn't take their cell phones or their wallets. Um, So the police came and the guys were gone. And my friend said they just were shocked about the attitude. Sorry, there's not much we can do. You don't know where they are. You can't identify them. We don't know who they are. We don't... It happens all the time. You're lucky they didn't have a gun. That's my Christmas story. Isn't that terrible? And I'm telling you, it's terrible. I think about you, and you stay down in the city. His attitude was, you know, well, what's new? This happens all the time. I guess they should have stayed in the building until the car pulled up. But you know what? You don't always think about that. So I just want you to to be aware next time you're staying down in this city. This is a terrible, you might want to cut this out because it doesn't say a lot for Baltimore (laughs) City, does it? (laughs) No, it doesn't. It's not just Baltimore, though. It's everywhere. Yeah, sadly. Well, crap, Mom. That reminds me of my favorite Christmas song. You want to hear it? Oh, sure. Because I think you want to sing it. <clears throat> You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. That's what I say to those hooligans and Grinches. Yeah. Yep. All right, Mom, we got to go. Any Christmassy thoughts you, you, you want to leave people with? Any way to possibly redeem that incredibly sad story you left us with about the mugging in Baltimore? <laughs> well, uh, he's okay. <laughs> Thank God. The guy is okay. Oh, good. Uh, he That's had a good. concussion and he had headaches oh. for a week, but now he's better. So, you know, could have been much worse. <laughs> you know, when things like that happen, people often hit their head on the pavement when they fall, and that's what gets them more than being punched. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, I mean, people have died from falling backwards and hitting their head. It's like, it's terrible. Especially, yeah, oh, falls are really disastrous. Isn't it interesting how disastrous and terrible falling down is, just as a practical statistical matter, the thing that ushers in so many, so much demise, as it were, but also just a daggone funny. That's the leading cause of death among the elderly. All right, now, you were going to go somewhere funny with this, but I didn't. Well, I know. I'm trying to tee something up to just to leave people with a little bit of hope, but there's something <laughs> in the strange duck, the undeniable juxtaposition that falling down is the leading cause of death among the elderly, but a great source of humor for the rest of us. As is hitting one's head. Yes. Just last night at the office, I was putting up more of the soundproofing stuff for next week. Yeah. And I hit my head on one of those iron beams and it made a <laughs> ting sound. And Ashley, who was handing me the things, she laughed so hard yeah. for so long, it was almost <laughs> off-putting. Yeah. <laughs> It almost made me mad. It really rang your bell, rang everything. Oh, it rang it good, yeah. (laughs) Listen, years ago, when you did live in the basement, you would have your quartet over and you would rehearse. Uh And I shouldn't say his name. I'll just call him Bob, Mm. who was much taller than everybody else. No one will know who that is. There was a beam over your doorway. Uh And every time he went into your you could hear it all over the house. Yeah. Bang. And then it was always followed by 
Three guys laughing their heads off. (laughs) Yes. Only three. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby was like 6'2", and Mike Price was like (laughs) 5'2", so Mike never hit anything. Bobby hit everything. (laughs) We should have wrapped caution tape on that kid's head. He grew up to be a... um, a normal person, so it didn't seem to hurt him, those hits on the head. <laughs> He's a nice guy. In fact, I'm going to see him tomorrow. His mother's uh, in the chorus over here, and they're, oh, oh I yeah. just gave his identity away. You well, really at least did. I changed his name. Yeah. Um, and so I'll see him when he comes to see. <laughs> Give him our best, please. Yeah, I will. I've talked to him in sure. so long. Wow. And I'm really going to look at his forehead to make sure it's <laughs> no doesn't have any indentations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But falling down, man. There was a sequence on Dirty Jobs we just cut together once. I was running through the snow after a guy, and Doug had his camera on his shoulder and he was trying to keep up with us. And then there was, somebody was shooting the whole thing wide. So it's three of us running across the ice and the snow and Doug fell. And I mean, his feet went out from under him, mom. Like they call it a Brody, like in the old days, it was just a classic pratfall. Pratfall. Yeah. Except he's got a 35 pound camera on his shoulder, (laughs) but he like full planks. He is in the air and he falls flat on his butt. The camera breaks. I mean, it's a bad-looking fall, and we all just collapsed in absolute laughter. We didn't know if he'd broken his back. The camera was destroyed, but we just couldn't help ourselves. And uh, in the edit, we took it and we repeated it with, like, Benny Hill music. I remember that. And just yeah. played it again and again and again and again and again. And um, <laughs> what in the world is that? What is it? Maybe we laugh at falling because we know it's so deadly and we just need to somehow take some of the some of the fear out of it. There's a TV show. I don't remember what it's called, but every once in a while I'll like flip through and I'll see and they show all these people usually hitting themselves in their privates, men, you know, like a <laughs> golf ball will come back and hit them or or they fall off a diving board, or they crash into a tree, and everybody laughs and laughs. I can't find that so funny. I, don't I never know why stay it's on so that funny. station. What is that show called? Could where be they anything. show people? Well, America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, that's you know. what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's the go-to. When in doubt, oh. some poor dad gets a line drive hit back. You know, mm. it's only a wiffle ball, but his kid really, really smacks it. And he goes down like a cheap card table, and people laugh and they laugh. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, people fall here all the time, but nobody laughs. No, it's not. It's, they, you know, that, that part's not they funny. Pull the no, yeah. they, just, they pull the cord. No, they just pull the cord. <laughs> you know, in the opera once, a guy fell off the stage right into the pit. And, um, <laughs> I mean, that was a horrible thing to see. But, again, he was okay. But to see him there on the edge, pinwheeling, like trying to get his balance and then he just falls out of sight and then you just hear a crash and like, you know, like he fell into the brass section. So I was like, <laughs> you know, like he's landing on people, instruments and chairs. And really, there's no reason not to assume he broke his neck and maybe killed somebody he landed on. But still, the immediate reaction was, <clears throat> there he went. Right into the pit. I'm laughing now. I shouldn't be. That's terrible. (laughs) Poor guy. That could be you on a stage. God, Gellert tells this story. This is a funny one, too. I think it was during Romeo and Juliet, and there was a sword fight. And in the fight, I mean, these guys really got into it. And the sword got hooked around the handle of the other sword. And the guy, I mean, they had blocked it all out. They were rehearsing it. But somehow, this sword went flying through the air, end (laughs) over end, and it went into the pit, and it landed and stuck, like, I mean, right between two cellists, it's like stuck there, like the sword and the stone. You mean in the floor? In the floor, in the wooden floor, this sword, right? And it was a stage sword, so it wasn't really sharp, but it had a point. Sharp enough. (laughs) Sharp enough to stick on the floor. Well, the orchestra rebelled. I mean, this was just, I mean, you know, that's a union situation, and people were very, there was so much outrage, they walked off. They literally, they, Uh-oh. 
during the intermission, they said, we're not coming back until we get some sort of, something has to happen to make the rest of this. And we're like, what do you mean? Nothing's going to happen. It happened. We'll deal with it later. But you got to finish the opera, guys, for God's sakes. I remember the director saying. Put a net over the pit. You know, but but we're not going to get it up now. I mean, it's a little late. We're in the middle of a show. We're sorry it happened. But I remember the director saying, in the future, I assure you, we'll take whatever steps are necessary to prevent any sort of flying object, especially those with a point on it, from entering into the person or persons in the woodwind section or any other section. You know, write it up and I'll sign it. It's just like... (laughs) kidding me i mean but to be fair you're sitting there you're playing your cello and suddenly a sword flies over your head and sticks in the ground behind you oh god good times there's so many funny stories like that you know when i was growing up i was in a fourth of july parade with a bunch of horses who had never been in a parade before and they put us right behind the marching band well i'll tell you the brass section made a salvo and this big white horse named Lady, and she had pom-poms. <laughs> she had pom-poms on the top of her head, and Howard was riding her. Well, the other horses just, like, reared up or bucked or spun around, spewing manure. And Lady charged right into the band. <laughs> I mean... Instruments went all over the place and manure all over the... It was a terrible experience. Um, And their feet got stepped on, but nobody got killed. So that was... Nobody fell down. Nobody Nobody was impaled. (laughs) It's the most wonderful time. But the horses didn't finish the parade. We all bowed out and um, went down Kenwood Avenue. I bet the the brass section didn't finish the parade either. I bet they didn't. It's like that scene in Animal House, Chuck, when the fan goes down the alley, right? And they just march him straight into the brick wall. And their (laughs) trombones are smashing into the wall. There's nowhere to go. They just keep marching and pile up. What was that movie? Animal House. Animal House. It was kind of a big deal back in 78. Um, yeah, I didn't see yeah. it. We got to go, but you'll appreciate this. This is a great Christmas memory for you, Chuck. It was okay. August, <laughs> and I was over <laughs> at Jeff Wilson's house. And um, Jeff was my best friend in high school. Big dude. And Mom and Chuck know him well, but picture in your mind's eye a very, very big senior. And he was washing Full his beard. truck. Full beard. He was bulky like a big, man. not fat. Yeah. Yeah, no, not, not fat, fat, fat big. Well, big, like, like muscular. a strong man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Muscular <laughs> and hairy. And just, he looked like a full-grown man. He was like, at, at, was at 18 years old, at he looked like a 30-year-old. Yeah. He was just a monster. <laughs> Sweet guy. But he had a collie, and the collie's name was Lady. And we were yes. out washing his truck. And this woman, probably 30, is walking up the street. And it's hot outside, the way it is in Christmas in Baltimore. <laughs> and Jeff, <laughs> in August, Jeff is wearing uh, a pair of shorts and no shirt. So it's just this giant, hairy man <laughs> washing his badass pickup truck. Remember that green truck, yep. Chuck? It was a great Loved truck. Loved it, yeah. We're washing a truck, and his dog's curled up at our feet. And about 30 feet away, this woman is walking up the street. Attractive woman. And the dog runs over to the woman and starts sniffing her crotch, right? Like, and Lady was relentless with this because she got a snout like nine inches long. And she's just all up in this woman's business. And the woman's trying to be nice, but she's so embarrassed because she's got a skirt on. And the dog's face, I mean, all the way up there. It's just, I mean, it, it is unseemly. And Jeff goes, lady, no, lady, no. And the dog won't stop. And I'm sitting there watching this, and we're watching the car, and Jeff steps out in the street. He's half naked. He's huge. He's got his beard. And he says, lady, damn it, get over here. And the woman runs over to it. (laughs) The woman, 
she's like all flushed and she pushes the dog and she literally runs over to Jeff. Like, yes? Can I be of assistance? They didn't know the dog. Don't you want to tell us her name? No. Oh, God. And poor Jeff was so embarrassed. And then we started laughing and we could not stop laughing. This attractive woman standing there in the middle of Weyburn Avenue with a collie about a yard of snout up the bad place. And me and Jeff just laughing hysterically as this woman stands there waiting for instructions. Lady, get over here. Lady, damn it, get over here. <laughs> Joy to the world. world the Lord is. Well, that was a nice Christmas show. It's, it's right up there with uh, It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> and, and it's a Christmas story. Oh, tell us about the mugging again. The mugging, where your friend was beaten senseless by the men in hoodies. Ho, ho, ho. But he wasn't robbed and he wasn't shot. And he's still Ooh, way alive. Way to make lemonade, Peg. <laughs> way Merry to make Christmas. lemonade. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. We'll be back in 2024, probably. Underline probably. Probably, yeah. I don't know. No, no. We're going to have some announcements to make regarding the podcast at a later date. I just don't know what they are yet. <laughs> Perfect. Merry Christmas, everybody. Love you, Mom. I'll call you later. Love you guys, too. Merry Christmas Love to everybody. Too. All right. Lady, get over here, damn it! <laughs> There's no podcast without a sponsor. Thank them for paying the freight. Please don't fast forward through their commercials. Even the ones you hate. Yes, my friends, especially this time of year, it would be exceedingly rude to fast forward through the commercials of our dear friends at Field of Greens and Prize Picks, American Giant, Aura Frames, Zip Recruit, NetSuite, Manscaped. Fun to use and fun to say, Manscaped. And of course, our buddies over at Diggs and LifeVac, they're still saving lives and who knows, one of them might be yours. Anyhow, sure do appreciate y'all. Merry Christmas. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com records.